0: Baby Friday on the fan pregame Sportsnet Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590. The fan Justin Cuthbert and J.D. Bunkus filling in for Ailish Forfar today and tomorrow. What's going on, J.D.? What's up, brother?
1: I love a baby Friday. This is actually my favorite, like, hang night of the week. You can get me on a Thursday and have the crappy show Friday morning. And then basically take your three-day hangover through the weekend. That's the best one.
0: I don't even remember the last time I was out on a Thursday. Yeah. To be honest, I'm old. Yeah, you're a married man. I'm too old. Too old. uh, Too washed. Uh, That's not an option no longer for me. Uh, Luke Guys Dick was an option for us. And we'll take him in about 35 minutes to tackle a hot regional showcase on the network. Uh, We're going to power rank some serious NBA embarrassment around the league. And we'll dig in one last time on Shohei Otani as he's unveiled as a Dodger pretty much as we speak, excuse me. But first, uh, Maple Leafs host the Blue Jackets tonight on Sportsnet Ontario, which sets us up because it's kind of the absence of a really good or sexy matchup, at least with the Maple Leafs. So we can tackle some big picture stuff as it pertains to Toronto through a 15-6-5 start.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, I, I say today, I think this team might actually be getting somehow less credit than they deserve.
0: So why why do you say that? Because, uh, you know, you can pull things, right? You can pull the, hey, 15, 6, and 5. I mean, look at the inability to separate themselves in terms Uh of regulation wins, the expected goals for just the general, I don't want to say decline, but, you know, it's not the fancy numbers, not as uh, impressive as they once were. So what is it that makes you feel that way?
1: I think that's it is... One, the fan base is just always at a breaking point, right? The fans just always want more and more and more for the Leafs. They want them to somehow win a playoff series during a regular season. And so there's like a hyper-emphasis on the games that we watch, which is every single one of these things is supposed to be a bit of a test. It's supposed to try to tell us something about the future. But, and I'm guilty of this too. We do Leafs talk you know. Every, after every single game. We have to break these things down. But I, I do feel like the, the lack of regulation wins. Some of the analytics, which are basically like they're a middling team from mm-hmm. that vantage point, the, the the injuries and the doom casting that's been done by myself included when it comes to, oh, no, now they don't have Joe Wall, but they've got Samsonov in net. But ultimately, it's like, yeah, look at all the points they've accumulated. All this with some bad goaltending. All this with a blue line that's comprised of probably like three guys that like if the Leafs are building an NHL team are supposed to be in the AHL, right? All this with a bunch of forward groups that they've had to shuffle, all this with a Sweden trip, all this with like a bunch of days off. Like, if you're trying to find something that you should be encouraged about by the Leafs without going too over the top about it. It's that this group has actually faced quite a bit of adversity to start the season, and they've handled it well enough where they're sitting where they're sitting in the standings.
0: Yeah, and despite, like, all the attention being on the Boston Bruins, wow, they're doing it again. How are they doing it again without Patrice Bergeron? I mean, they're still within striking distance with a pretty soft part of the schedule coming up here uh, for Toronto. I I think another really good thing or encouraging thing for the Leafs is well, they do have money to work with mm-hmm. uh, and they haven't had to rush out and spend it because the guys like Lageson, uh and Benoit have held up and made it so that, you know, you didn't have to do that panic move, at least on the blue line. And that's where I kind of want to start uh, with the yeah. sort of big picture enterprise uh, items with the Maple Leafs, because spending the Klingberg cash. We always thought, okay, you're just replacing John Klingberg. Maybe you're bringing in two bodies. Maybe you're bringing in one. But you have to use that money to shore up the defense. And with the guys that I mentioned kind of stepping up and doing a job, Timothy Lilliergren still on his way back. Mark Giordano will be back with the Maple Leafs uh, soon as well. Does it have to be defense? Yes. Or it, uh, do you have to look elsewhere to shore up other deficiencies? in this roster so the way i look at it is and it's the reason why i didn't freak
1: out about the zadorov move or the lack of the zadorov move was the price nice for sure but what does this team have more than anything fifth to seventh defenseman mm-hmm. like that's the whole team essentially is they've got a bunch of guys who slot in as awesome fives to somewhere sevens it feels like they found something in lagason it feels like they found something in benoit those two guys can play in the nhl without looking completely foolish I think even Timmons has his moment. You didn't text me back, by the way, when I asked you if Timmons was a relation to you because you guys look the exact same. (laughs) How
0: Uh, many people give you that? Uh, I've got it a few times, yeah. And then I've heard I've How heard dare people, you I know, I've me, heard people slander Timmons, and I've yeah. heard people say, "Oh, that Timmons kind of cute." And I'm just like, I- I'm not even getting involved in this because I don't want to be either side <laughs> okay. of that. So either I'm just, way, I'm just I'm separating somebody, myself from Connor this Timmons. is
1: on TV. Someone should be able to put up like a now, side by side pretty picture quick. of just
0: like, hey, Cuthbert next I'm, I'm, to Timmons. I'm scared of the comparison, is what I'm saying. You shouldn't be scared of it.
1: Okay. Listen, you guys are good looking dudes with <laughs> dark eyes and beards. Yeah. All right, it works. But yeah, I think that they need just a guy that can slot everybody down. A guy that Mm -hmm. sits at the top and can play the actual right side. And for the longest time, it feels like we... Well, actually, when the Leafs had Babcock, who this should be Babcock night, when they had him, it was all about righty-lefty, righty-lefty. Then they kind of went away from that being like, hey, ultimately, you just want to have the right talent that's there. You want to go out and make sure you just get as much talent as possible. And now I think they've gone way too far with the lefty thing. Like, McCabe has played fine on his offside. So has TJ Brody. But watch during a game how many times those guys struggle to play a puck in their own end because they're frantically trying to chop one out on the backhand or they're dealing with a four-checker as they're trying to receive a grenade from their defense partner. Like, it's a a tough thing in the NHL to be able to do that night in, night out. If the Leafs can get a top four right shot D, somebody that can either play with Morgan Riley, it puts you back in the position that you feel like you were in last year in the postseason where they had Luke Shen, where you say, Mm. damn, you really do have a number one nice solid pairing. And then all of a sudden you look at the Leafs' blue line and it, it feels deep. It feels right. It just, it, to, to me, it feels as though they are just that one awesome top four piece away. The problem is, you know who else wants that? A right shot top four stud D on a good contract who can be here for a while. is like everybody –
0: yeah i uh, i I think the quantity thing is gone because of the developments of this year right like i it is not two oh, you don't need two bodies anymore or like they, they at least have that's how I look at it because they have a bunch of five to sevens yeah. as you're as, as that you're right about The depth is uh, great. But these five these five to sevens are performing pretty well. Jake McCabe has turned things around after mm-hmm. a really difficult start. His numbers with Klingberg were terrible without him pretty good he's yep. definitely turned his season around. And I think it's more about, hey, can you bring in an actual needle mover? Yeah. Can you bring in someone that can help you win a Stanley Cup? Because if you're just nibbling, if you're doing the five to seven, you're just, it's musical chairs. It's like, who, who's playing the best right now? And it doesn't really matter because the ceiling is not such where they can actually make a massive difference. Do you it's, think that's 10 i I'm not convinced it's 10 see,
1: see, I'm the same as you. I go, that's the easy one to do, mm-hmm. right? That's the one that makes sense. He's the local guy. He plays that gritty style. He's going to block shots. It's going to be a leader for the team. He fits in perfectly like it would be nice. But part of me just goes, all right, if you're going to use what limited assets you have, wait it out. Wait it out and see what ends up happening here with the trade market and who ends up actually materializing. Because to me, the I don't want to say nightmare scenario. Like You get Kristanov, that's nice. But if there's someone that ends up being better out there and you are going to move like a Minton, right, or you're one of your two first-round picks, I think, that you have in the next couple of years, the limited draft capital that you have, I'd rather they wait on a guy like Tanev and hope that you can sign him in the offseason and just Mm -hmm. have him as kind of a bonus, right? Like, that was the Giordano thing. He gave up a second. That's a fine price. You don't have a second this year. So how do you get the Tanev deal done without either overpaying or hoping that somehow his market craters when, as of right now, he's the only right shot D that's a top-four guy.
0: Yeah, and I'd be worried that the result is Giordano-esque in that, yeah. yeah, like, he's a name, and he's a guy who can still play, but are, are we inching real close to that drop-off? 34. Like, I'd be really, really reticent to give term, right? Like I'm I'm definitely interested in free agency, but I'm interested in guys that want to join the, hey, come home, career transition program, Mark Giordano, Jason Spezza, let's get all get on board and dude. do this thing. Like, again, 34 is not at that point yet, but if it's 34, it's close. Mm -hmm. It's real close, and then it could go off the hill, and then all of a sudden, uh, you're still with that short deck, right? You still don't have, or you're still looking for that thing that actually changes the complexion of the group. What they need is the Chikrin thing. Mm -hmm. They need the Chikrin sweepstakes all over again with the next Chikrin, and I don't know if there's a Chikrin out there, but that's the move that kind of sorts everyone, knocks everyone down a rung, and gives you some clarity in a group that, yeah, is really, really performing well right now, is pretty talented, is pretty good at the moment. But if you're going to, I mean, we're talking about higher ambitions, or if we're talking about Stanley Cups, if we're talking about beating the Florida Panthers and Boston Bruins, like it might have to be someone that gives you more than just a simple upgrade within the top four.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel about it too. Like I
0: really do. I will say there is a case though for trying to add a, an entire line or close to. An is entire the line? A close two. A close two. Okay. If you're doing the two for one, right, Klingberg yeah. out and you're bringing two in, there is an argument for bringing in two players and trying to fix your third line. Because right now this third line mm-hmm. is has some utility but is heavily, heavily sheltered. Your second line has to be semi-sheltered right now mm-hmm. given that, you know, John Tavares, if you're going up against top-line competition, there might be a mismatch there despite his successes. Uh, his successes are due in part, I think, because he is semi-sheltered. So if you're semi-sheltering two of your lines, you can't trust your fourth line. It's a lot on Austin Matthews to go head to head against the best every single night. If you had a third line that you could trust defensively, that you could, uh, if you could clone Yarn Croak, maybe you wouldn't. But guys who are of that ilk, mm-hmm. Yarn Croak, sixty-five percent uh, offensive zone starts with that third line, thirty-five when he's away from Domi. Uh, And Robertson, like he's a guy you want in those spots, but as long as he's playing on a third line with Domi and Robertson, it can't be that way. So if you can knock Domi down one rung, Robertson maybe is going out in a trade. If you could really, really materially improve your third line, maybe that's the best way to improve your team. And then you bank on Benoit being Benny the butcher who's doing a job for you. I got to tell you, as much
1: as I'm almost sold on this because Lagoson and Benoit, I think, have done wonders for the penalty kill. I think they've actually added a physical component that the Leafs were looking for from mm-hmm. some of their blue liners. Um, I, I still want the guy that slots everybody down and all of a sudden you're having tougher questions of, hey, if Mark Giordano is not the same guy in the postseason, bring one of those guys up. Rather than leaning on those dudes to be you know, there for you in your top four, moving McCabe to his proper side and saying, man, if he's doing this well now, imagine how much better it could be if he's actually playing his proper position. My, my thing with that is, I think we forget at times just how many pieces they moved in to make trades last year. Like what this team actually has. Their AHL doesn't have basically any talent that is attractive to any team in the NHL, right? Like there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. That's part of the whole reinforcement things is like they don't have another guy. Nick Robertson is the guy that's currently there. I don't think if they try to move Nick Robertson in a trade that there's going to be a lot of value that ends up coming back for him. So where do you go? Okay, to the minors. Well, You've got two guys that have some value, Minton and Cowan. Do you really want to move either of them? I don't know. I think I'd be pretty reluctant to move Easton Cowan based on just like the buzz that he's been getting and the, the leap that it seems that he's already made. Mm-hmm. They really like Fraser Minton. They feel like he's someone that can step in here. Like they already thought he could play in the NHL this year. They were wrong, but he's going to be at least close, right? So it's someone that you're going to have a cheap controllable contract. Then you're looking at minuscule draft picks and not a ton of cap space where you can offer where maybe you're taking some money back. You get these things done. So, to me, it's like you kind of have to pick. You're going to have to pick, like, what's the best available. If it ends up being that they don't really have a defenseman, a right shot guy, then I think you do pivot if the the decision is a big-time, awesome, third-line center in the mold of what they thought they were getting Ryan O'Reilly that last year. But to me, it's just like that's a lot of of groceries when you're on a budget.
0: So, I guess, like, uh, the all-in – uh, it's kind of been where they're at, right? I mean, it was all in definitely with Dubas last year, and it's been all in, I suppose. And that's part of the reason why the Marlies are in the position they're in, or the prospect system's in the position mm-hmm. that it's in. And, uh, yeah, if you look at the draft pick capital, like it's been damaged just a little bit, sure. uh, there's still enough there to trade. But have you, what have you seen from the team, or have you seen from the team enough to want to push those chips into the table? Also, considering what might happen the year to come with, hey, you got to pay William Nylander now and $45 million might be tied up in four, fl- four players, albeit temporarily with John Tavares about to come up, but we know Mitch Marner's also coming up. There could be concessions on the other side. Mm-hmm. There might be an opportunity to recoup some assets on the other side. But still, when you look at Florida and you look at Boston, when you look at areas of improvement across the board for the Maple Leafs, Joseph Wall being unproven, Samsonov not being able to rise to the occasion in moments. Like, is there enough here right now to want to push those chips in. So, to want to move everyone but maybe Easton Cowan. So haven't you gotten,
1: um, what was it, 2020 vibes from this team at times? Right? Where they they managed to accumulate points. That's the year they fired Babcock. That's the year that they bring in Sheldon Keith. Okay. And then all of a sudden they go on a push, right? They start accumulating points. But it never feels quite right.
0: Was that the Dave Ayers year?
1: Yes. Okay. But then, again, they get to the deadline. And ahead of it, they lose to David Ayers. And they stink. And mm-hmm. what ends up happening? Dubas decides that. He's actually taking trade calls on Tyson Berry. They're not looking at I think the only guy they added was Nick Patan. Mm-hmm. If I have my memory it, right. It
0: wasn't worth it for Dubas. For that's sure. it.
1: That's what he decided. That's what I think that these guys kind of have. This is going to be a prove it year. I think that that's what I'm saying about. Do they get enough credit for where they're at with the lack of regulation wins? Or should they be getting more credit for the fact that they've been able to be resilient and win these hockey games? And to me that like this is what you're watching in this stretch, right? Is we know now the best way to generally judge teams is how they handle their business against the lesser lights. And one of the criticisms of this Toronto Maple Leafs team is that they often can raise their game to an opponent, but that they'll drop their game to an opponent too. And I think as you're playing teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets that are, frankly, like trash, right? This is the trash of the NHL. In a, in a league where there's a ton of parity, this is where, you know, you're looking at some of these opponents. Yeah, liar. Yeah, you, you've got to be able to beat teams like this convincingly. And so this next stretch, trade deadline was like a million years away, right? It's March, pretty sure. They bumped it back even further because it used to be February, now it's March. But if this team is going to prove that it's like the quote-unquote all-in all in year, I think it's going to have to be with a, a bunch of consistency. It's going to have to be with Austin Matthews looking more like the version that we've seen for the last couple of games, not the one that we saw playing with Mitch Marner where you looked at their stats and said, how is this even happening? Mm-hmm. You've got to see Mitch Marner find his game again. You've got to see William Nealander Na- ne- continue to play this way You've got to continue to see your depth kind of show up in spots. When you get the Lilligrins back, do they look good? Can Samsonov find his game again? Can he be the goalie that was, what, 19-3-3 we were saying before the show at, on home ice last year? Can he find that player again? If the Leafs look like that, if they look like a bona fide top three team, top four team in the Eastern Conference, I think that that puts pressure on you to say, hey, it's, it's, these guys are in their prime. They're playing it that way. They deserve it. If they buck that trend and they start to show you more of the team that shows up for maybe a period, maybe a period and a half, plays some lackadaisical starts, gives up bad goals at the end of periods, can't get a save, doesn't quite have the mix of of stars on their blue line. Their stars kind of show up infrequently. I think that's when Brad Tree Living has to look at it and say, you know what, salary cap's going up we got a big decision to make on Marner. We've got a big decision to make on Nylander. We're eventually going to get off the Tavares contract and be able to hopefully turn that into something much smaller. This shouldn't be all in. Maybe we should actually be thinking about like, the, the last two years of Matthew's contract, not the first two of his new contract.
0: Brody and Bertuzzi being expiring assets also, uh, mm-hmm. definitely worth considering here. Uh, the thing that I was most excited about, at least pushing an agenda, I was excited to push was potentially moving Samsonov and trying to use that money. Uh, if mm. you believed, and I, and I think you should, in Joseph Wall. Uh, but this injury obviously complicates matters. And now That's a mentioned. risky
1: move, though. Uh, You'd but have if, to if, see something pretty solid from Martin Jones. And for you, and and you would, like but
0: if we're talking about winning when it matters most, yeah. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be, uh, hey, you're winning a president's trophy behind that tandem. Yeah. But uh, it, it, if you're putting $3.5 million on the bench permanently during playoff series, sure, it doesn't do anything for you.
1: That's just brass balls to be able to say, hey, we're moving off of the veteran that started in net for us last year and we're going with the, but the Samsonov, kid, the injury-brown kid.
0: Samsonov has never shown you anything. Like, he's shown you spurts when yeah. it hasn't mattered. He's admitted to the stage being too big at times. Even simple, uh, you know, starts against his old team, Washington mm-hmm. Capitals in October, Virginia Capitals. Virginia Capitals. Yeah, Maybe he'll be. be more comfortable there. Yeah. Probably. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think that they have the flexibility because of the Klingberg thing. Mm. But if there was something else out there, if there was something bigger, uh, maybe that's a card you can pull.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at places where you could find the cap space, that's one of them. But just that's a, like that backfires on you. Let's say, you know, you play that out, you trade Samsonov, and then Wool comes back and sustains another injury where throughout his career, that's been his biggest issue, right? He looks like a very talented kid. He's big. He's calm. He fits this team. There's a lot to like. He makes somehow, I think, less than the minimum because of when he signed his contract. Mm-hmm. But he goes down to another injury, and you have to put Martin Jones in that, who's, you know, long in the tooth and was a sub-900 save guy. It's a long it's, – I hate saying this, but it's a long time since 2016, and he made that run with the Sharks. I, I feel like that's borderline, hey, you had your first year on the job tree? That was yeah. your only year on the job.
0: And, and that's kind of my concern, too, because uh, as much as, you know, it may have backfired with Kyle Dubas because mm-hmm. he felt like he needed to do this. Like it was it, this is last call. Right. He Like he had to go all in. I think the flip side can be true with true living where it's like, well, you know, what, we always got next year. Right? And yeah. we, we got we, I got some runway here. That's it. Where I don't have to make that move. And certainly yeah. that would be one uh, born out of some. Desperation. Okay, so Shoei Otani is being introduced right now in front of the Dodgers. Uh, I don't want
1: to see pictures of
0: him. <laughs> I don't really either, but I no. uh, should mention that, you know, he asked, he was asked when he reached a decision. He said he decided for sure on Friday, announced on Saturday. Of course, Friday was when, uh, you know, we were, uh, we were taken for a bit of a run. You think uh, he's telling the truth? At least. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: well, I do. So if he's, uh, if he's in the polygraph and he's like, I made up my decision on Friday.
0: No, the, I don't think he would pass the poly- polygraph. Okay. Right. because I think the decision was made a long time ago. Yeah. But you know when it's when it's like okay, yes because the offer was there Friday. Mm-hmm. It's a yes and that's when the polygraph I guess would not show that there was at least some indecision. I uh, I just think it was always the case that it was going to be LA. I do believe that because he had that life. It's like it's like when you're you maybe you're being recruited for a job somewhere and it's like yeah, I mean if they offer me this Maybe, but I like my job currently. And if they're going to match what they're offering over there, like, why would I make that move? Playing professional baseball in Los Angeles was a life that he didn't want to give up. And I felt like there was always in the cards.
1: I thought it was always very funny that there were like 50 guys that cover him who were all waiting on his decision, hoping and praying that they weren't going to have to uproot their lives and move to Canada and I have to go through the rigmarole of trying to become, uh, like, get their work visas for Canada, I have to basically move to, uh, yeah, what would be uh, the third country because most of these guys are, yeah, uh, I believe, anyways, from the article I read, all from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, the, the curious thing I have about this media conference today is when people see him in that Dodger blue and this becomes reality is he now has he gone from basically the baby face of baseball that everybody loves right cuz who who could hate Shohei Otani? he was on the Angels he did the right thing where he came uh, as, when he came when he could he took less money he went to the team that had Mike Trout he wanted to be at least closer ish to home but he didn't he wasn't greedy about the process and what did he do he came in and he delivered but not only did he deliver He did it better than any of us ever expected, right? Multiple MVPs, threw, hit, captured people's imaginations with what was possible from a professional athlete. When he came to town, I said, like, this is the greatest athlete on planet Earth right now. You have to go see him. Babyface, pure, pure babyface. He signs this contract that helps the Dodgers now go out and acquire more players because he's only making $2 million in actual money a year. It's way more against the competitive balance tax. It's 46 mil. But the Dodgers now are going to become, you would think, just like the Yankees of our childhood, where it felt like this isn't fair. You're getting all the good players, you're just getting everybody, you're going to sign everyone. Mm-hmm. That's not right. We want to feel some competitive balance. I wonder if fans are going to turn on this dude because they're going to feel like he's other, like evading
0: taxes. Right, which is weirdly, I mean, it's yeah, it's like, yeah, that's that's totally illegal. But with Shohei Otani, like they just, yeah, it's, no, they no, this is yeah, it's
1: not illegal in California. They're all do every millionaire has evaded the taxes. This find, is that's they're an finding way, yeah, buddy. okay, it's American like, yeah, Look thing? at what Elon actually pays in taxes. Okay. I, I think Shohei Otani, he's gonna he's gonna become a villain in baseball. Like people, I think, are now going to actively root against him. Like if you're a Giants fan, you hate his guts, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're an Angels fan, he left you. You're a Blue Jays fan. You feel like he led you on. But You're a it, Yankees is it, fan.
0: Is it end of list there? Like, why would the Yankees care?
1: I think that the Yankees would care because they would look at them as their number one competitors for, like, right now, they all want Yamamoto, right? But
0: they didn't even hang out in those. They didn't, you know, circle
1: those waters. They weren't there. No, 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 not Shohei's waters. Yeah. I'm saying the waters that they're circling right now are or other Yamamoto, free agents. Yeah. They want Yamamoto. And now, this guy has helped open the door for other mm-hmm. free agents to go to the Dodgers. I think it's a little bit like the Kevin Durant thing, where he's in Oklahoma City, everybody loves him, and then all of a sudden he goes to a team where people feel like he stacked the deck. The difference here is like the Dodgers weren't winning. They're, kind of, they're actually sort of losers. They make the playoffs every year, and then they disappoint. Yeah. But all of a sudden, if you're looking at the Dodgers and saying, wait, these guys have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani, but then they start to add layers to that, where all of a sudden they're in on multiple other stars that they're just handing money to. Guys are deferring payments to play for the Dodgers because they want to be in L.A. They want to be with Shohei. They're all kind of willing to do this. I feel like most fan bases are going to view that as you screwed us. You're screwing us. You're ruining the competitive balance of the league. And who's the guy that started all of this? Well, it's Shohei Otani. We hate him.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think people are definitely going to go from sympathizing with Shohei, like we feel bad for you, man, yeah. playing for the Angels, to not wanting him to win. And I think that's fine. I mean, I do like that in baseball. Oh, I love it. That in baseball. Uh, you have teams to hate. You have evil empires. Yes. that threaten the viability of your team. We'll we'll continue this yeah. after the break because we got to go to Bet Rivers' time now. before between the lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. We're coming off a banner night. Uh, Ailish hit a plus six fifty. I hit a plus eight hundred. I'm going for plus money again. Adam Fin Tilly returning home. Scotia Bank Arena anytime goal plus three fifty. That is sexy. It was a good, it was, as hell. A good night. it was a good night for us. Plus
1: six eighty and plus plus eight hundreds. Mm. Whoo! Okay, mine are cowardly. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> I didn't know it was like this. We, we chased plus yeah. money. Okay, the fan so. Pregame. I have two things that I'm actually going to parlay together, and they're the two best pass rushers in this game. I like Max Crosby for the Raiders to hit his over in the sacks. He's been an absolute beast this season. And yeah, man, it's Easton Stick. I think he's going to hold on to the ball and he's going to screw it up. But then the other one is Cleo Mack. He had six sacks in his last game. You put those two guys together in a parlay, it'll give you a nice plus number. But yeah, I look like a, the biggest chicken who ever lived. Thank
0: you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so- more show hey, Luke Gazdick uh, after the break
2: get smarter when you listen to
1: hockey talk the hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: all right back on the fan pregame we were just talking about Shohei Ohtani he's been introduced to throngs of media there in LA everyone's humming and hawing, they're having fun, they're laughing, they're having a good time. Uh, But the uh, evil empire discussion is where we left off. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll 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 complain about parody in the NHL and then we'll complain about the Blue Jays not getting Shohei Otani, that all makes sense, right? That's just the way it goes. Yeah. But I do think baseball is so much better with evil empires. And if the Yankees and Red Sox want to be them and they kind of toggle between being that and not being that because they go through these different cycles... But if the Dodgers are that for the National League, if the Dodgers are that for Major League Baseball, uh, it is going to make it much more interesting based on whether or not you want to sh- uh, cheer for Shohei Ohtani or you want to cheer against him. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if, if it's Braves, Dodgers, in the NLCS next year, I'm going to be into it because I'm going to want the Atlanta Braves to win correct? and I'm going to want Shohei Ohtani to lose.
1: I want to see the Dodgers lose every game the entire time Shohei Ohtani is there. That is how I will feel now and that will feel I will feel that way when Shohei Ohtani departs Hopefully with zero championships. Um, I'm not a fan of parody. I think it's kind of lame watching Mm -hmm. the same team play every single night. And I think that, yeah, it's much more interesting having someone that you're familiar with, right? Like that's part of what has made Tampa Bay so interesting is that we've been able to see year after year of the different iterations of Lightning. You get familiar with who their players are. You like having a team that you know because you feel something about the team you know. And so that's how I'm looking at the Dodgers is they become basically the replacement for the Astros. We had the Astros. They cheated. We all hated them. We all banged trash cans. Mm-hmm.
0: We all gave George Springer a pass. <laughs> all, and that, that, that's yeah. a good point because I do think we're going to be in the minority here. What, like, hate like Shohei? No, yeah. I no, do. I think we'll all hate Shohei together.
1: You really think... You I think, think we as Canada and America, we will hands across <sighs> the North American border and all hate show hate together. I don't know. Yes.
0: I, I, think, I think it's the markets that lost out. No. And I think we're going to be the worst of yeah, it. Yeah, but all the
1: markets lost out because now he's in the big market. He went to the place that... He was he, always in the big market. Oh, not really. Have you ever been to – I've been to the I ballparks. It's like, yeah, the Dodgers is a much bigger feel mm-hmm. than being at an Angels No,
0: game. 100%. Like, 100%. no, he
1: is now with the – what are going to be the Yankees of the National League. No one is going to be rooting for those teams. We're going to see him year over year over year, just like we saw the Astros year over year over year, and you're going to have a feeling one way or the other about them. You're either going to say, Shohei, not a big deal. I root for the greatest player in baseball. I have that opinion. Or you're going to say, this guy's a front runner." And he just, he's a tax evader. Who, he's a tax dodger yeah, yeah. who just went there so tax that he dodgers. could get, He didn't, doesn't even want to pay the state of California, which he pays. He doesn't want to help improve the highways. He doesn't want to help with the ten cities. None of that. Shohei is just purely there for himself. He's greedy. He wants stars around him. He knows that he's not great enough to elevate them to a championship without five other guys. They're basically cheaters, right? They're stacking the deck. I hate their guts. Okay. That's that's the way to be. That's the, that's, by the way, that's the right take.
0: (laughs) I do think it'll be a little bit more emotional uh, for us. Uh, But, oh, uh, hell yeah. Hey, we got, we have a third member uh, in the studio right now, so we can expand this conversation. Luke Gazdick joining us uh, on the panel tonight uh, for a bunch of regional action. And of course, uh, Oilers and Lightning on Sportsnet and Sportsnet One. Uh, Were you covering or uh, uh, following along the Shohei Otani sweepstakes? And do you have as, Emotional opinions as uh, J.D. over here? Oh, yeah, buddy. I was going to say, I'm on J.D.'s side yeah. all the way, man. Hate his I grew cuts. up
2: here born and raised, man. Yeah. I've been Jay's guy since I was a kid. Yeah. And it was, for the longest time, I was still thinking, like, there's absolutely no way this happens, like, the whole time. But then oh. I just got sucked in. Yeah. Like, thurs- <laughs> by the time Thursday ended and then Friday started, I was like, this is happening. Like, mm-hmm. this is for real. My life's going to change. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Dude, I almost cried. I almost cried. I was on the phone with, my, like, one of my best friends
2: and yeah. saying, like, Hey, man, we're going to go down to the park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he picked yeah. us. He validated us. We're real. No, man, he's enemy number one now, mm-hmm. honestly. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, 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 we have to cheer for him uh, to an extent because I do want to see him in those moments, right? I I, care. I I want to see him in the playoffs. <laughs> I want to cheer against him. I, I, I mean, do it, it's It's a waste if we waste this type of emotion because if at least we get the chance to be more vested in it cheering for him. Or against him. Actually, the best I'm, one I'm would be if they won and he
1: got benched them. and he had to go out and like get his World Series ring, but he was actually the pariah and they all hated him and all the Dodgers fans were like, Can you believe we're paying this guy sixty-eight million dollars? I mean, it's not not yeah. that we care.
0: Not <laughs> that we care, but it'd be worth asking, yeah. like, how does how does it feel now for Bo and Vlad, like this whole chase for Otani, and it's like we would throw everything out the door. Uh. For Otani, what does that mean to the group now that's left without Otani? But we can get that uh, to that at a different time. Oh, we were just talking about father's trips. The Maple Leafs uh, were on their father's trip. It was very successful uh, father's trip. Um, you never got a father's trip. What, what happened there?
2: So I, I should say that I never got one in Edmonton. So okay. my entire time I played in Edmonton, we did not get one. I was so disappointed about that. Because just like everybody else, like we see this stuff around the league. We see highlights and stuff of like, all these dads up in the box and sweet cheering. My dad's like choked back home that everyone else gets to do it. Yeah, like, uh, I signed with New Jersey the next year, and actually, good story. I was down in Albany playing, maybe one of the worst cities in North America, and came home from a practice. I was gassed. I slept, put on do not disturb, and I woke up to like thirty calls from missed calls from Ray Shero and uh, Tom Tom uh, Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and they said, "Hey." Get like get up, get to the airport. You need to get to Washington. We just called you up. And by the way, it's our dad's trip. So give me your dad's cell. And they flew him out there with me from Toronto. So he got to finally experience one. We went down to Wash, and he gets to come down for morning skate and stuff like that. So I got one with the Devils. I'm very thankful for them and Ray Shero. all class, but... Edmondson didn't just didn't follow suit
0: there you go uh so given that you do have a father's trap under your belt uh impressive or more impressive than that the Maple Leafs got three points going through the boroughs of New York this week
2: it's pretty impressive man honestly I was walking into set on Tuesday with DA with David Amber and I remember thinking I go they're gonna get pumped tonight in Manhattan back to back I didn't think they looked great versus the Isles and uh, they just pulled that one out, Shisterkin and Net. Like, that was really impressive for me, to be honest. Uh, but anytime the dads are there, I swear that gives you a little more juice and motivation. Like, it was so cool to have my pops there and, like, sitting on the plane. I don't, I don't know if they were riding just the bus there in New York, but at least a plane from Toronto to New York. It was so cool to have the dads around, and they just think it's so cool, like, eating freaking steak and lobster on the plane. <laughs> and, you know, it's just yeah. like. It was unreal. I don't know. It was just, like, such a cool, motivating thing to have those guys around.
1: Yeah. Normally, I'd be thinking, oh, it makes sense that those guys played that hard that night because their dads were there watching. But all their dads were just probably so hungover, like, none of them actually could even see straight. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to yeah. you gonna say? This isn't, you're a kid, and there's going to be a quiet ride home with your dad where he tells you about how expensive hockey is because you didn't skate hard enough tonight. This yeah. is, you just had him wind and dined in Manhattan. <laughs>
2: Like, if and I know, they, a go, bad hard. Night, yeah, they, they go hard. Yeah, <laughs> they go hard. I want to hear about it. <laughs> oh, no, no, they go hard. No, they, everyone's in a good mood, honestly. Uh, mm. Except for, yeah, I won't say his name, but you know the one dad that wasn't in a good mood for the Leafs. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. I think that is correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we actually have video evidence of that being correct. Uh, okay, so the Oilers. Uh, yeah. What's different, man? They're streaking. I know you were on the regional the other night. You were watching the game, you are watching the Connor Bowl. Yeah. Uh, what's changed for this team? Why are they winning games now?
2: Well, I think the biggest reason is probably McDavid, but I don't think it's the only reason. I think I had a good chat with Jeff Merrick about this yesterday, and a lot of people are laying it just on the fact that he's playing better. I look at it from the coaching change. There's a couple different things. Stuart Skinner is last seven, seven and zero. He's got a goals against of one seven nine fifty three save. He's been unreal. Um, their penalty kill is night and day. They were an absolute mess for the first, you know, 10 games, 15 games of the year, call it. Um, They're, under the coaching change, 90, over 90% clip, killing penalties. They've killed 30 of the last 31. And even on Sunday versus the Devils, first power play in the league, they'll go out and kill all four of those off. That's motivating them huge. But just, like, little coaching tweaks, a little different system stuff. Uh, They're running set plays. They just look more prepared. They look like they're on the same page. They look like they're having fun. So I'll give it to 97. Like, he's really leading the way. It's easy to just jump on his back when he's playing that good. Mm-hmm. But honestly, coaching, even putting Paul Coffey back there, like, the D just looks so confident. They're closing faster. They're – I don't know. It just looks like they're having a good time.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how fast things turned around. I mean, the shot of Dreisaitl and McDavid trying to console each other on the bench a couple of weeks ago, I, I mean, I thought that was it, honestly. Like, yeah. if they're just like, oh, we've reached the end here – uh I, I Every it, Leafs group it convinced chat, me.
1: Every league's group chat was like, <laughs> so McDavid plays with who in three yeah, years. Yeah. It exactly. was yeah, it
0: was re- yeah, it was getting to that point where it's like, uh, this is now completely untenable and they're gonna be moving on from this in short order, but now it's the same old Oilers that everyone thought uh was gonna win the Stanley Cup. Um you know, obviously 97's a huge part of it. Uh but I do want you mentioned you you know, there's a there's some systematic things that have changed and that have improved. Can we put that on Knobloch? Can we put McDavid's turnaround and the injury uh, on Woodcroft? Like, can we see that divide where there is uh, a coaching thing happening here that has fixed them, or is it just health and goaltending happening kind of simultaneous with a coaching change?
2: Yeah, health and goaltending for sure. But honestly, even when I talk about system stuff, system stuff in the modern-day NHL, it's nothing's too different than another one. All 32 teams play... Literally the same system. It's whether it's a one-three-one, one-two-two, two, like you watch so much film of everybody else. After a couple games and video sessions, like you know what guys are doing. It's just about how you execute them. And I honestly think coaching cycles in the NHL, uh, it's, this is tough to say, but the, the same voice just gets stale after a while in a dressing room. And it's mm-hmm. just after a while, after what, call it two or three years, however long that lasts, whoever's yelling at you to – you know, play the right way and do these systems and trying to coach and teach you. After a while, it just falls on deaf ears. And that's what it looked like for me. Like I was doing all these hits earlier in the year and they're asking me what the problem is and it honestly looked like they were just kind of, they were done with it. They, uh, I, that's why at the time, I didn't actually even love the coaching change at the time, but it has done wonders for them. It, it really has kind of sparked them.
0: That situation is exactly what the Lightning have resisted for so long, right? Like John Cooper's been there forever, had so much success, and it feels like, you know, he's not the most likable guy, but they just get over that. They get through it. They're better than falling into that same trap, and yet the Tampa Bay Lightning this year what, fifth in the Atlantic Division now. It was about just getting to Vasilevsky's return, and they've lost four of their last 10 games. Uh, they're chasing it right now. Like, is, are they are they toast here? Like, the, the Lightning we knew, are we not going to see that again?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a different Lightning squad. They're having trouble scoring goals, which is the crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing this game tonight, so I got stats for days. Uh, in their last nine, they've been held to f- – One goal, five times. They're just power play merchants. They're power plays third in the NHL, 30%. Kucherov's out of his mind on that thing. But five on five, they're not scoring at all. They have a minus goal differential. The last time they finished a year with a minus goal differential was 12-13, 11 years ago. They finished at minus two. They're at minus 10 right now. So I never looked into that stat too much, but it has a major correlation. When you look at standings, the further you go down, every team has a worse goal differential. And they're sitting in fifth with a minus 10 and they just I never thought that was going to be a problem for this team they were the team that always beat beat you up seven three six two and they're not scoring any goals and you just you can live off the power play for a while and you can live off goaltending from Vasi for a while but the numbers will start to fluctuate after a while and that's what I'm seeing from that team look at you go with just off the dome with those stats that's what I do, buddy. Yeah, I was like, you know how I can tell
1: you're degenerate gambler like me? <laughs> it's like, it's, you right, get the staff you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's well, like you'll remember those for yeah. tonight's game moving forward. That'll come up somewhere in a conversation with good friends. We gotta bet against the lightning. Yeah, it's just this is this is not they're not good five on five. Honestly it's though,
2: like, this is trap game written all over yeah. it and I love the Oilers, but Vasi just every now and then he can just put up a 35-40 save night and that's what that's what helps them, man. You think that's the
1: same way for the Leafs here tonight though? Columbus? It's just the you've, uh, you've had these two win, or sorry, you got huge emotional night against the Islanders with Tavares. Right, he gets a thousand points. Yeah. They probably went out and got absolutely obliterated. Hmm. There's probably a touch of flu going through. <laughs> yeah, a little sickness. Yeah, because like nah, he still isn't playing tonight, right? So yeah. you got to figure if there's one guy, he's probably not the only one that's just yeah. feeling completely below the weather. You play the Rangers and you jump them.
2: Yeah, I and always now see- this Games like this on the schedule, trap games, just when you go on the road for a couple days and it's the first game back, just even though New York's not that far, just a little bit of travel, mm-hmm. a lot of emotion, a little yeah. sickness. But I just think Columbus, like man-to-man, they outmatched them so well. Mm-hmm. This is not a good Jackets team. Like, we can get real serious. It's... I don't know. The Leafs have this bad, bad habit and tendency of playing down to the that's level it. of their opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oilers did it in the first period versus Chicago a couple nights ago, and you just see, like, it just starts to turn into pond hockey because the game is that easy for them that it's like, oh, I'll hold on to the puck for another couple seconds here. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're not closing on me that quick. They're not that hard. They're not that physical. Like, and that's when turnovers start happening. That's when you start getting lazy. And so for games like this, it's like, if I'm Sheldon, it's like, First period, take care of your first shift. Like, let's just stomp the freaking, like, stomp on them, like, Mm -hmm. real early. And that's what you have to do with these teams. Get a couple goals early and just don't sit back, but attack. Well, don't you guys both agree that it's like the measuring stick games
1: for the Leafs now, they include these ones. Yeah. For that reason, right? It's like if you're talking about coaches' messages getting stale and people feeling at times that's been the way with Sheldon Keefe, right? Like, him coming back this year, it was a bit of... A controversial choice. Nobody thought it was a slam dunk, right? Yeah. When Tree came in here, it's like, there's no way that he wants to see the let up against Columbus. He wants what you just said. There's no doubt about it. He wants them to start strong like they did against the Rangers and to close out periods the way that they really, that's eluded them all season long. So, yeah, like, weirdly, do you guys actually put more stock into a night like this than you should?
2: No, I think that's perfectly said, because I think when you think measuring stick games, you're like, oh, they're playing L.A. tonight. Like, oh, we'll just test. We'll see how good we are. Mm-hmm. But these games, full 60, like trying to get effort and whatever it is, production from everyone. This should be a full team showing, like especially at home too. Like show the league how good you are. Stomp on this team like 6-1 and walk out of this building feeling really good about yourself. If there's guys that are slumping a bit, get them on the board. Get Austin Matthews out there. This is where if coaches' messages are getting stale, your leaders go out there. Johnny, Austin, Mitch. First period, start just skating circles around this team. And try to get everybody involved. Uh, It's a, honestly, it's a big game for them. First game back from the road, I always think is a big one.
0: Uh, I think one of the traps, too, for the Maple Leafs, like they didn't, I didn't think they played particularly well in New York. They had really good moments. I didn't like the first period, but they scored four goals anyway. And when it comes easy, that's when the Leafs kind of, they don't respond well when it comes easy. And it's a big game. Like you beat the New York Rangers, one of the best teams in the league, uh, handedly uh, to a certain extent, scoring seven goals. Uh, but what's the response to that? Often the Maple Leafs uh, don't provide the response that you're looking for. And this is, as you may, we were talking about trap game, going home, Columbus Blue Jackets, like it's reason to feel like something might not happen the way uh, that it should. I want to ask you about Adam Fantilli. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of attention tonight coming back home. uh, You know, prize prospect for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets who haven't dealt with prospects particularly well. Do you see something special in Fantilli? Yeah, he's unreal.
2: Uh, good Nobleton kid, by the way, just north of here. Uh, subtle plug, my pod. I uh, interviewed Eric Branson yesterday, and yeah. one of them, I, I asked him the same thing straight up. I go, You've got a bunch of young guys on your team. Tell me about him. He just looks at me and goes, Gross, gross. And he's just like shift in, shift out, game in, game out. Very consistent for a young player, which you won't see a lot of. A lot of young guys, you're not sure what effort you're going to get from them some nights. And the confidence is just brimming now. That shift he had a couple games ago, picks it up in the D zone, through the neutral zone, in between his legs, like sauce pass. So to be trying that stuff at such a young age, goes back door and then puts it in short side. It's, It's fun to watch kids that are that confident, but it's the consistency for me. Like when I... I was just going to say, when I turn on Jackets games, not going to lie, it doesn't happen unless they're playing the Oil or playing the Leafs. I was like,
1: you guys are out here but watching Columbus Blue Jackets, Jackets that's like, on them?
2: But, like, when we're sitting in the studio, we'll have everything on, right? Yeah. And he's just one of the players that I always watch and I yeah. sell. And it's just, it's the same effort all the time from him. And I, I really respect that out of young players.
1: Yeah, because did you guys see the, it was the who he played for that was done on TNT with Shaq and Barkley and with Stephen mm. A? No. Yeah, so they basically spin a wheel and they say who he play for, right? And they quiz oh, different and they guys and say up? who is. You could probably, like tonight, I'm going to learn who a lot of people are. Yeah, yeah i will learn who a lot of players are watching this game with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. It's like I was not familiar with your game. Yeah. I could probably write that tweet about maybe <laughs> Who he maybe played for guys. or
2: this guy still playing? Yeah,
1: one of the yeah. two. Well, yeah, I was like, I know is on that team because he ate that horrible hit. Yeah, and I went, exactly. hey, you know what? Good for him. Yeah, guy's been around. Still
2: doing it. Sneaky <laughs> younger than I thought, actually. I, know. Cause I Googled him the other yeah, day. And I went, oh, 13 years in the league, man. He's a yeah. 92. Oh, that's a big hockey thing, but he's a 92. Yeah. That makes yeah, me still so grinding, sick man. that a
1: guy 13 years in the league can be a 92. Not bad. No more show for me today. That's (laughs) (laughs) it. That's it.
0: I'm good. Uh, uh, Last one for you, Luke. Uh, Big night for real Luongo. Panthers in Vancouver, regional, uh, Sportsnet, Pacific. Uh, Do you think of Luongo as a Panther or a Canuck first?
2: Uh, Good question. Probably Mm -hmm. Canuck. Yeah, probably Canuck because the 2011 run... I don't know if you guys are this way. Like I know you're a big big leaf guy, but even I grew up here, and I'm a big big leaf guy, and I played in Edmonton. But sorry, this was before that, anyway. Like Canadian teams making playoff runs. Like I just remember how the whole country kind of jumped on that. Like even mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool to watch that run. Mm-hmm. And even when I played against him in Florida, that was probably the, honestly the most one of the most starstruck I've been on the ice. I rarely got that way, but. There were a couple guys, Ovi was like that, where during warm-up when I stepped on the ice and you just right across the red line, you just steam-skating there, you're like, holy man. Like, that's Bobby Liu. That's pretty sick. And but. I guess
0: for Luongo on the heels, too, golden goal, right? Yeah. Uh, 2010, I, I, it would be, uh, and they went on that run in 2011, right? So yeah. that was, like, kind of prime Luongo in yeah. that pocket, and you started playing uh, in the NHL, what, a couple years later? Yeah, it was right? 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, it would have been pretty prime No, I time think for Canuck, you. man.
2: I, I see him more as a Canuck, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm torn on
1: this. I totally get what you're saying, and I'm not just saying this to Zag and disagree, right? Yeah. He did say it before. I, I did, right? Before Confirmed. the show, I did hey, say... healthy debate. <laughs> well, no, but... the So, I'm with you, and I actually think that your case is probably stronger just because his biggest memory, but I, I do think of, like, the pumping his tires thing, like, yeah. and how it ended was such a disappointment. And True. How... Yeah. And then I think about the Winter Classic and how that ended up happening. That's, like, our modern-day uh, Patrick Waugh. Mm. You know? Where it's like... <laughs> yeah. That's like the, yeah. we know he's done here because they didn't put him in the Heritage Classic. Yeah. That's mm. our modern-day Rough. Yeah. But... When I think about Luongo, I think about, like, the dominant, holy crap, this guy is just, like, the star of his team. Like, to Start. me, he was, it was weirdly, I think he was captain, right, in Vancouver? Like, oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, that was so weird. Yeah. Rude to me, who uh, advocated for myself to be a captain on my minor hockey league teams as a goaltender, and they said the goalie couldn't be the captain. Ineligible. <laughs> That's not, yeah, not right. I still carry that yeah. to this day, seeing Luongo. But, man, he was dominant with the Panthers. Like, well, he played you- there longer, and I just think about him as you know like the the only guy in the team right it's yeah. like you weren't going to see the panthers you were going to see robert Lu- or roberto luongo
2: tonight well i think you just see more less and less of it in the nhl these days yeah. everyone's going with a 1a1 and 1b tandem where he was like the true workhorse number one goalie he mm-hmm. reminds me a bit of conor hellebuck to be honest you can put vasilevsky in that conversation but the guy that's going to play 60 65 games and like be that guy that You're sitting in a dressing room with Roberto Luonga. You're like, we score three or four tonight. Probably got a chance to win. You know, there's just fewer and fewer of those guys in the league these days.
1: He was two times most saves in the NHL with Florida when he was 24 and 26 years old. And yeah, still managed to have a winning record, by the way, in one of those seasons was 35 and 30. And with a 9-14 save the other year when he
2: had,
1: yeah, he had one where he faced the most, he had the most saves in the NHL. Uh, the most shots against, with a 9.31 save and a 2.43 goals against average, and he wasn't even like the he wasn't even top two for Vesna. Like it's I impressive. feel like he was really underrated. We couldn't properly rate him, but it's just like if you're talking about in my lifetime goaltenders that were the most dominant at their peak, he's there. And when do I think of those years? I think
2: of the Florida years.
0: Good argument. I like that. All right, Luke, you got all the panels tonight, so we'll let you <laughs> yeah. go. Uh, Thanks, we'll boys. we'll catch you later on Sportsnet, Sportsnet One, and a bunch of regional action on uh, the network. We got a few minutes here, JD. So yeah. I want to throw something at you. Uh, there's been some embarrassing things happening uh, around uh, the NBA yeah. of late. Uh, there's a couple. There's a streak for sure, uh, and there's a banner that might go up, and then there's just like players acting out. So I want to kind of like give us a quick mm-hmm. little power ranking of yeah. the embarrassing things happening. In the NBA right now. We got four things we have to rank. Uh, first, the Pistons streak. Uh, 21 straight oh, losses. That's number one. They started two and one. Yeah. And now they've lost 21 in a row. We got the Lakers hanging an in-season tournament banner. Uh, oh, this is actually harder than I think. Which is, you know, they, they, were, they wanted to win that thing. LeBron was being LeBron. Wanted to win that thing. Anthony Davis was an absolute stud in the final. You got Giannis trying to fight members of the Indiana Pacers, or at least it seemed, for grabbing a game ball oh, after he scored justified.
1: 64. That's not embarrassing at all. That was alpha stuff.
0: And then you got a spinning back fist from Draymond Green yeah. uh, who just continues to get himself into trouble. So for ranking these from most embarrassing to least, who are you leading off?
1: Most, is, most is Draymond because it's just it's a, it's a repeat offender who we're all tired of it, right? Like It's, it's now yeah. gotten to the point where it's we're sad. almost... That's what I mean. We're turning him into a sympathetic figure where we're saying, I hope he gets help because it's just, it's so embarrassing at yeah. this point. Like, it's not cute. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's not tough. It's just everybody's over it. Two is the Pistons. Like, the Lakers won. So, and we, like, we've hung division. banner. Man, Toronto can't talk. We hung a Bon Jovi banner. Yeah. We hung up on Jovi Banner, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nobody could say anything about that. It's his yeah. tournament banner, and then last is Giannis, dude. He's I got Giannis most embarrassed. Dude, he scored sixty-four points. Give him the game it's ball. It's a ball. So what is get He's it. trying to fight people over a ball, bro? Imagine somebody. You're a hockey guy. You're such a hockey bro. Imagine somebody took someone's goal puck, their first goal puck, and tried to skate off with it. There'd be a brawl. Like I Same get thing. it.
0: But he was run like he's running after it.
1: Didn't he look like the scariest guy
0: he ever? He did. That's what I'm saying. He should you be above that. You say embarrassing to his face, He should bro. be above that. Say embarrassing to I'm his face. I'm not going to. Yeah. Piston streak <laughs> least embarrassing. They're just terrible. Like yeah. There's nothing you can say about it. They're just <laughs> bad. It's not embarrassing anymore because it's just yeah. bad. All right, we got to go. That's Van Pre Game. JD and I will be back tomorrow.